0: Well, welcome back to the Two Guys One Plant podcast, a weekly podcast where we deep dive into different vegetables and fruits and plants, and we talk about the history, the nutrition, medicinal uses, how to grow it and how to cook it to get the most nutrition out of it. And as usual, my counterpart and amazing sidekick on this little project is Timothy Akerman.
1: How are you doing, mate? I'm good, mate. How are you? Really good, thank you. It's um it's it's good to be doing it with you each week. Yeah. Mm, I enjoy it, mate. Yeah, it's good fun. Lots of learning to be had as well. Every single
0: week. Yep.
1: That's I feel right. like
0: our minds are blown on a weekly basis.
1: Uh yeah, I definitely. Yep. Mm. It's uh, Now,
0: <laughs> well, we're doing pomegranate this week. So, for everyone out there who clicked on the the podcast title, you probably already know that.
1: Mm, yes, <laughs> just realised yeah.
0: I'm like they already know what but, they're doing. But
1: yeah. somebody might have it on autoplay and not know. Ah, uh, true, very yep. true. Yep. I have to say, before
0: we get into this week's, that my mum enjoyed the title of our podcast <laughs> last week.
1: Excellent. Which was parsley. Yes.
0: Not just a shit garnish.
1: No, that's right. And it's not.
0: <laughs> yeah. Mm. It is not. A, it is not. And, you know, the whole, when we spoke about parsley last week, it's led me to want to introduce that into our vegetable garden at work as another herb, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, which will be happening this week, I believe, if we get a chance to get to a nursery. I don't know yeah. if that's essential travel or not. Yeah.
1: Well, it's food, right? <laughs> I guess you could make that argument. Yep. And for yeah. those of you that don't know, both Simon and I both live in Melbourne and Melbourne is back in lockdown. We are, which yeah. I believe
0: will soon be happening to a few other states in Australia. Mm. They, I mean, we can't be too upset. I've got to be honest. We can't be too upset. They did say the second wave was going to be bigger and worse than the first wave that has been the message across the line. It makes me nervous for countries that are still in the first wave and it is extreme.
1: Mm. Yeah. Um,
0: but I feel like they have given up so they won't have a first wave and a second wave. They're just going to have a One big wave. Tsunami. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, look at the the Spanish flu. Um, yes. The second wave was actually the one that caused most of the problems. Yeah. Yeah.
0: and. Every single health organisation has made it very clear that the second wave is the one that we all need to worry about.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So I think that us going back into lockdown is probably a good thing.
1: Yep, yep. Uh,
0: it's definitely needed. It's a shame that, you know, uh, people in the community have sort of taken light. Or, what, or
1: resisted, yep.
0: Yeah, and yeah. there are some other people that are still resisting even more, setting up Facebook groups to tell you how to avoid checkpoints, mm-hmm. and which is a bit of a shame really. But yep. I, I feel like we're all working on this together, you know, as a
1: collective for the yep. greater. Yeah, and regardless, you know, some people just think it's it's not that big of a deal. But, I mean, at the yeah. end of the day, it is, and they wouldn't be saying that if one of their relatives uh, died because of it. So. Well. It's yep. just a
0: very selfish way to look at it.
1: Yeah. 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 It is killing people.
0: It may not be you, but it is killing other people. That's right. Um, well that was a bit somber.
1: Yeah, let's 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 lighten the mood a little bit. Shall we? Yeah. yeah. I we should.
0: Um have you watched anything fun recently?
1: Uh no. Okay. Put it simply. I've uh, been avoiding um tv and media and um really just trying to focus on spending more time with my son and you know watching him grow up and we're now introducing solids so dinner time is um different <laughs> in our house which is good fun yeah, and imagine. uh yeah really just trying to be in the moment and you know be with him and be present yeah it's a
0: nice way to be yep. i we we also are starting to do the same to mm-hmm. start reducing screens from as much things as we can, and yep. we just generally have music playing now. Yeah, same. Um, yep. Which is quite nice, or even podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's some really
1: good podcasts out there <laughs> about yep. vegetables. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yep. Yes, Hugh was learning all about parsley the other night. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. Is he listening to it? Uh, well, he was in the room, so he didn't have a choice. That's, that's really good.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I'm, we're going to start introducing the podcasts into Henley's uh, routine, mm-hmm. so that he can start learning about things subconsciously. Hopefully, yeah. I'm not really sure if the brain's developed enough to cognitively
1: uh, I mean, take it on board. They absorb. They absorb things, what what it is, who mm. knows. But they, they definitely take in a lot of stuff. I generally, I'll hold Hugh if I'm cooking or something and I'll explain to him what I'm doing or, you mm. know, it's like even just making a coffee, I'm going to, this is, I'm grinding the coffee beans, now I'm going to yeah. put them into the group and I'm going to press it down and, you know, all yeah. that sort of stuff. Let's extract
0: you, it. And, don't you show him that you just pour your coffee grounds into the cup and then put <laughs> in some water?
1: Oh my God, yes. Yes, that was, I did do that the other day. Yep. Mm. Tell people uh, making a coffee. I don't know what was it Thursday or Friday morning. Uh, I have a coffee machine. I got to grind the beans and you know go through that whole process. And I just poured the loose loose coffee grounds straight into my cup. Yep. Some would say oh. I needed a coffee to make a coffee, and <laughs> <laughs> so that
0: might be quite accurate.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, that's good, mate. Well, look, let's not, uh, let's, instead of me taking the piss out of you um, <laughs> just at the beginning of the podcast, uh, let's get straight into it with some yeah. fun facts, and then we'll get into the history, which I know you have a vast history for us on Pomegranates today.
1: Oh, man, what a journey that was.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's
1: incredible. Incredible. I,
0: okay. I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yeah. So do you
0: want to, I've only got three facts today.
1: Yeah, I kept it to two. So you go first. Yeah. Well,
0: I one of my facts has some his, historic okay. value to it. I'm not sure if this is going to take some of your.
1: Who knows, mate? Who knows? Okay. But you got to you got to at least you got to say it. With, okay. You know, you might add to what I've got to say. Okay.
0: So apparently, there are some scholars that believe. That the pomegranate you are going to take away from my history <laughs> is not what I'm going to say right now. So. <laughs> are we talking about? I'm going to yeah. leave that one. No, are no. We just, talking about where it could be related yeah, to. Like, uh, no, no. Don't say anything. I'm just going to leave that one. Uh, okay, so another one that I had in Japan, the pomegranate plant is actually often used for bonsai.
1: I did read that. Yes, it yeah. was interesting.
0: Because it's got really interesting twisted bark mm. uh, that pomegranates can have. So they use it for bonsai a lot. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was really cool.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, playing into the, I guess it's playing into the bonsai fact. Did you know that the pomegranate, pomegranate trees can live for over 200 years? I did not know that. Yeah, that was cool. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, a bonsai tree and then could last yeah. forever.
0: <laughs> wow. Yep. That's really cool. Mm. 200's we, a long time. Yeah, I know. Mm. It kind of plays into, like, you know, handing handing these things down generationally.
1: Yes. You know? Like, definitely.
0: we have a... There's a mango tree in my parents' backyard mm-hmm. that has been there since my grandfather moved in there, like, I don't even know how long ago, and it's still going strong. Yeah. Um, and funnily enough, so mum and dad just sold the house.
1: Which, okay, wow. Yeah,
0: which is really cool. Um, is it sad? And, uh, I guess it is a little bit. I'm yeah. sure it is for them. It, mm. I mean, it's been in the family since my grandparents moved in there. Like, yeah, wow. Yep. And we lived next door for a, a mm-hmm. certain time and we've lived there as well at certain mm-hmm. times. So it is a bit sad. Yeah. But at the same time... You know, they're moving up to, to Womba, so it's a ah, yeah. fun time. Mm-hmm. But it's never, ne- none of the seeds have ever sprouted, like that have come off the mango tree. Yeah. But in the last week, two have.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: So my mum's got Are they going to take one?
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: So it's really, it's beautiful that they can take a piece of the tree that, you know, yep. they get hundreds of mangoes from it every year and it's very fond memory for all of us the Mm. mangoes that come from the tree so you know having a pomegranate tree that lasts 200 years that's that's something you can pass down yeah it's generational yeah yeah that's really lovely i like that Mm
1: -hmm.
0: nice yep okay um pomegranate juice Mm. so you can drink it fresh it's also used in cooking, but did you know the juice is also the source of the grenadine syrup?
1: Yeah. Yep. Is used I was going to mention that in the cooking, but yes. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that when I read no, it.
0: No, neither did I. Yeah. I know it's used in a lot of cocktails,
1: mm.
0: so it's quite a common ingredient, a, a common syrup to have in a bar. Yep. They make a lot of cocktails from that. I didn't realize that it was pomegranate that it was no. made no idea. Yeah. And,
1: I mean, I didn't read this, but having gone through the history, the, the name Grenadine, mm. and I'm going to talk about this later, the um Spanish town of Granada yep. is actually named after the pomegranate. Oh, wow. So Grenadine, <laughs> Granada, it's all kind of, yeah. Wow. Yep.
0: That's so cool. Yep. The things that you don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And wow. this is,
1: like I said, this journey, it's like, it made me it made me reflect on just how much i don't know about what we eat yes and pomegranate i knew nothing like no. okay you open it up and there's some juicy seeds inside mm-hmm. that's it it's mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. like I don't, I don't know we we need to i mean the, the purpose of this podcast is what we're doing but we need to learn more i feel like i should have known half of this stuff already yeah, it's
0: really interesting that, isn't it? Mm. But that's what we're doing. That's why people are listening. So yeah. Mm.
1: Yeah, well that's all good. I've got. Are you all Okay, well my my last fact, and I don't know if you're gonna bring this up at any point, but the pomegranate is botanically a berry. Ooh. Yeah, that's cool.
0: Yes. No, I didn't uh I didn't botanically bring that up. I wasn't <laughs> botanically going to bring that up today.
1: No. Not that's strategically. Good. No,
0: <laughs> no strategy involved in the naming of of anything today. No, that's that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, I thought I that like was it. interesting. Yeah,
1: there's always uh, something weird, you know, whether it's a berry or a fruit or a vegetable or whatever. Yes,
0: yes, and yeah. we often cover that off at the beginning.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, if you like strawberries is actually a fruit, not a berry, and you know, pomegranate mm-hmm. a berry, not a fruit. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, wow. that's it, mate. That's, that's Them's the facts. There is a lot of information to cover, mm. and I'm going to try and cover a lot, but I have to say from, from the outset, I'm not going to cover everything. There is a heap of information it, we just don't have time to cover it all, yeah. so what I really want to do was focus on more of the symbolic history of the pomegranate rather than its its physical history of locations mm-hmm. um, it does have a similar history to a lot of other things where it originated in one place in, around the Middle East area, but I'll get to it and then it kind of expands out and then uh you know the age of age of um, exploration it, it goes from from that Europe area across to the other side of the country, and you know, very similar to a lot of other stuff we've talked about. So yeah. I'm going to avoid that and just stick with um, the very symbolic history of the pomegranate because it is, uh, it, for for me, it was mind blowing. I, I had no idea that it was um, such a big thing in a lot of cultures. Yeah, mm. yeah. So um, the type the the type that we eat today is very different. To its kind of um, ancestral version, and then you've yeah. got you've also got the wild pomegranate versus the domestic domesticated pomegranate that we eat now. But the wild pomegranate it originated in Persia, so you're talking um, Iran, and then across Himalayas, northern India. So in that that strip, right, it's, yeah. it it originated there. And depending on you know which archaeologist you talk to. Uh, they they will say definitively there are two surviving species. So when I talk about the wild pomegranate versus the domesticated pomegranate, and there's still two surviving species. But the original ancestral one is thought to have survived in only one location in the world, and it's on an island off Yemen, which is part of Yemen, and it's called Sukotra, right? And it's this little island off the, off the coast of Yemen. And that's where the original ancestral pomegranate still exists to today. Oh right? wow, just in that location. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was, you know, that was pretty cool, right? But um, this this ancestral one is really small and brownish and it's it's really inedible, right? So it's quite different to the pomegranate that okay. we know today. But back then its main use was uh, medicinal. And a lot of the medicinal uses or beliefs haven't really been tested today, but mm. um uh it, it is thought to have been like the the precursor to the, the pomegranate that we talk about now, yeah, okay. and uh, the the word for the pomegranate that we use now is panicia granatum, right? Yes. So this is where that granada word comes in and possibly yep. grenadine and that sort of thing, but its it's um, translation is grainy apple. Oh, So, you know, obviously it looks like an apple, but it's full mm-hmm. of seeds and, mm-hmm. yeah, that sort of thing. So its literal translation is grainy apple, right? I'd say that's reasonably accurate. Yeah, and you know a lot of a lot of those things were when it comes to the way they oh, yeah, name things, and it was it was a literal description of whatever it was.
0: <laughs> I mean, there's no way I'd bite into a pomegranate like an apple.
1: Oh no, that rind, <laughs> oh, not a chance. Yeah, no. So um, it it seems that the pomegranate was domesticated in Iran, in the Near East, possibly about eight thousand years ago. So pretty pretty decent history there. Hmm. In the third millennia, which is uh, between three thousand BC and two thousand BC, so in that era, uh, they found uh, a large dry pomegranate in the tomb of uh, Deshuti, which who was the butler for Queen Hatshepsut in in Egypt, right? Mm. So they yeah, so they found a, a pomegranate in the tomb, like an actual kind of I guess it was fortified or whatever, but a, they found this pomegranate. But in Egypt, pomegranates were were quite valued as a food source and um, they were part of the supply of fruits required in a pharaoh's residence. So, you know, they've oh. obviously got a list of things that are required. Pomegranate was one of those things.
0: Yeah, that's fair. But
1: the, yeah. But the <laughs> um, ancient Egyptians used pomegranate in a variety of ways. They had the juice, which we mentioned before, and that juice was believed to fight intestinal worms. And that's a, a, a theme that goes right through history as uh, parasitic cleansing and worming and that sort of thing, which mm-hmm. I hope you're going to touch on later. Mm-hmm. The pomegranate blossom was crushed to make red dye and the peel was used to dye leather. And the pomegranate became so revered that representations of pomegranates were found on Egyptian wall paintings in the tombs. And I think uh, I'll reference a bit later, but Tutankhamun had had um, pomegranates in his tomb as well when they uh, excavated that. Wow. Yeah, so they you know the Egyptians, um, they they revered the pomegranate in a way. Uh, you had pomegranate found uh, thousand BC in Armenia. They found decayed remains. Uh, the cultivation. So I'm quickly going to talk about where it spread and then go more into the symbolic stuff. Cultivate, cultivation through the Mediterranean. Arabia, Afghanistan, India, and then across to China through the Silk Road. And the Chinese called it the Chinese apple. Yeah, wow. I mentioned earlier that uh, the city of Granada was renamed when the Moors um, kind of invaded Spain. They're the ones that renamed it to Granada. Yep. And You then... spoke
0: a bit more about the Moors in our episode on... Oh, you're testing the memory now. <laughs> I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> In one of the other episodes. Yeah.
1: Just listen to them all. It'll yeah. be out. Yeah. Yeah, you do talk about the Moors. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm. And then uh, Spanish colonists, yeah, they, they during the Age of Exploration, crossed the Caribbean, Latin America, that sort of thing. And then one more thing on the, the spread, uh, and this one particularly referenced to you, is mm. Thomas Jefferson. Oh, no. <laughs> 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 oh, that guy. <laughs> Although he wasn't credited with introducing it into yeah. America. I just wanted to put the reference in there that he had pomegranate <laughs> uh, pomegranate trees in his farm at Monticello, and yeah. he planted them in 1771. Anyway. Yeah,
0: wow. Monticello, man. Yeah, it's like, interesting, uh, right? He, yeah. it's. I mean, you could do a whole podcast just on what he brought to America. I reckon, yep. yeah. Yeah. It's just, he was just a pioneer. Yeah. Um, Definitely bringing forward thinking about fruits and vegetables and plantable, edible.
1: Really trying to expand people's minds when it came to to food and plants and yeah, yeah, was absolutely yeah, definitely ahead of his time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm. So, like I said, I want to I want to tackle this in a different path and you know talk about the symbolic and historical significance. because there's a lot of information there, right? So the belief in um, the pomegranate had powerful properties and its depictions in art um, have been around since what they call prehistory, but basically since the start of uh, um, people were recording history at the end of the day, right? Um, the context of ancient pomegranate art uh, both religious and what they call elitist as well, so it was really quite, um, quite a um, – a revered symbol or stature, and uh, I mentioned earlier the word pomegranate is derived from medieval Latin, which is pomum granatum, and it means mm-hmm. the apple of many grains or seeds, mm. and um, and that is obviously because there's a lot of lot of seeds inside it. But um, a lot of um, uh, around a lot of the the kind of ancient history, there was um, a vase found in a mansion in a Sumerian city of Uruk. And this was about five thousand years ago, and that that city Uruk is is like modern day Iraq area. Yep. Um, Uruk was a vast metropolis for the time, and reportedly ruled by the great Gilgamesh. Almost sounds like Gargamel from the Smurfs, but yes, <laughs> Gilgamesh, right? <laughs> so this was about the twenty seventh century BC. So yeah, wow. Uh, What does that equate to, 2600 BC? Anyway, and this city survived right up until the 7th century, so uh, quite a long, long history for this city. But the Sumerians, who really believed to be one of the earliest farming civilizations, they offered pomegranates to the goddess Ishtar, and they considered them sacred. And religious aspects of the pomegranate haven't been around almost as long as cultivation. So Mm. right from the time pomegranates existed, people had a religious connection with this, with this plant. Okay. There were some, uh, they call 8,000 cuneiform tablets. So kind of ancient writings found in uh, Babylonian Iana temple archive around 600 BC records a sacrificial offering of 500 pomegranates to Ishtar, so this goddess in the Sumerian life, right? It's a lot of
0: pomegranate.
1: Yeah, that's sure, right, yeah. So, you know, according to this, only fine fruits um, were to be offered up and mm-hmm. obviously, you know, pomegranates were considered considered sacred and like I said earlier, you know, elitist and that sort of thing. So really, yeah, really upper class stuff, right? The Sumerian adoration of Ishtar uh, and her pet tree could be... Uh, indicative of where early Jews came across the adulation of the fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a holiday called Rosh Rosh Hashanah, which mm-hmm. is the Jewish celebration for New Year. Uh, and they, they they talk about the, the Jewish regard for the pomegranate could have started in Babylon. And by the time the Jews returned from there to Israel, uh, the start of the second temple period, the, their religious practice had profoundly changed compared to Pre-exile, so before they kind of were exiled out. Yeah.
0: Okay.
1: Um, so you you've got this. You've got the Sumerians kind of worshipping this goddess Ishtar, and then the Jews are starting to kind of bring it into their religion. And then mm-hmm. as we we move forward, we've got uh, the Canaanites. Mm-hmm. The Canaanites um, that the Israelites would have met uh, revered the fruit pomegranate. Depictions have been discovered in 13th century BC in a pagan temple at Lachish. So we've got pagans who are also, you know, worshipping the pomegranate. Well, not worshipping, but using it as part of their religious, religious practice.
0: Memories, yeah.
1: it, the, the fruit also appears in the Assyrian palace relief, dating back almost 4,000 years. And uh, in, in a statue in remains of uh, the ruins of Nimrud, ex- excavators found a pomegranate made of ivory and a relief of a strange winged being with tiny with a tiny pomegranate on its collar. Oh, so if, you know, it's being turned into ivory and, and added as a symbol on different things. And yeah. I mean I'm I'm still only just barely scratching the surface here, right? So <laughs> uh, pomegranate art was found in Jericho, which is considered one of the world's oldest cities. Mm-hmm. And this is dating back before before the Jews existed. Uh, and it was, there was a wooden box found in a tomb associated with hyksgos, hyksos, heik, and uh, <laughs> no idea how to happen. Lots of words that we're going to be saying Properly today. say that, yeah. <laughs> H-Y-K-S-O-S, hyksos. Yep. And um, this is a, a ruler of ancient Egypt about 3,700 years ago. This box that they found actually contained carbonized pomegranate seeds in it. Mm. And... The thought there is that um someone wouldn't go out of their way to store inferior fruit like this. So oh, yeah. obviously, you know, it had value to somebody yeah. to store it that way. Yeah. And because the box itself was quite precious. So you wouldn't put something shit inside a really nice box, you know. It's like Yeah, I mean,
0: <laughs> I don't do that. All the shit things that I own are not inside boxes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's it. Yeah. You only go out of your way to look after the good stuff, right? Correct. Yeah. All that other stuff's just out and about. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. So the the Hike Socks, hike. oh my God. Hyksos are accredited with taking the pomegranate um kind of as they 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 moved or um, conquered their way south and west and eventually conquering ancient Egypt, right? So these mm. guys kind of had it with them. And then uh ancient Egypt as so I'll uh expand on what I said earlier. There's a professor called Cheryl Ward of the Archaeological Institute of America. And um, Cheryl notes that pomegranate's depiction in the temples and tombs dating to post-Hyksos Egyptian. So the Hyksos are the people who kind of credit it with bringing it to Egypt. Uh, in the 18th dynasty, the pom- pomegranate-themed artifacts in Tutankhamun's tomb include a scepter and vases in the form of pomegranates, and one was made of precious silver, right? So they, they made a pomegranate out of silver. Wow. Uh, the pomegranate became so revered that uh, representations of pomegranates were found, you know, in the tombs and it, it was thought to have symbolised life after death. Wow. Yeah, yeah it's just like I just, I'm just trying to picture what a silver pomegranate would look like. It would be quite impressive, I would think. Yeah. Mm. I wonder if they ever did it like
0: with it open or if they just did the whole fruit.
1: Yeah. Because I would
0: imagine that
1: if imagine they did. Imagine how hard it would have been to make a see <laughs>
0: each seed we've made out of a separate silver and we've layered them inside. And then when you take the pomegranate apart, it's like a Russian bushka doll and all the seeds fall out and they're all made of solid silver. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah. So there's evidence that pomegranate was clearly being farmed early bronze age and regarded as a delicacy. Yeah. and there's a extraordinarily preserved 3,400-year-old shipwreck off Turkey called Uluburun, And this ship had been laden with uh, what they say is elite-orientated cargo. Uh, and the people who found it uh, said the cargo included precious stuff like resin, resin, statutory made of ivory, metals, ostrich eggs, and pomegranates, right? So the pomegranates were on this ship full of precious stuff, okay? Wow. And, um, and I mentioned earlier, you know, uh, at some point, pomegranate went via Silk Road to China. Mm. And, and I'm going to touch on China a little bit more, but the the fruit had kind of the same symbolism that it did in Egypt, Sumeria, that kind of area where it, it symbolized fertility, eternal life, marriage, prosperity, abundance, and reincarnation. Wow. So the Chinese, you know, had... had Quite a distinct belief attached to this, to this uh, a berry, I should call it. Mm. There were it's also... A fruit? No, no, it's, no, a, it's berry, a berry, right? Yep. There were some charred seeds that uh, are thought to be from a pome- pomegranate found in the tomb of a woman in Mongolia, and that dates back as far as 2,200 years in the period of the Han dynasty. Mm. So I think, I think, I didn't look it up, but I think Han comes just after um, Genghis Khan Think yes. her, like a mm. not a son, but maybe a grandson or something.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Anyway, these seeds were placed all around her head. So again, a kind of a symbol of its importance. Wow. Yeah. So it, everywhere the pomegranate was, everywhere it went, it was eaten and used for medical purposes. So, like I said, uh, for dyeing leather and that sort of thing, and also worming and and uh, other things like that. Um, in in contrast to some of the other other things it was used for. Uh, a lot of it has not been proved, but uh, mm. according to what I read, the the parasitic side of it has has got some some proof behind it. Um, other than that, it was really it was really more about the symbolic nature of it, right? Yeah. So I want to get into the biblical um, side of where the pomegranate falls falls in. Um, it was, it was held in esteem by the people um, preceding them and all around them, but the, it was the Israelites, right? And they had access to the pomegranate at the same time their religion was starting to take shape. And uh, I kind of mentioned earlier about the Sumerians and the Can- Canaanites and meeting the Israelites and that sort of thing. But yeah. pomegranate appears quite often in the Bible. I don't know if you, I mean, I, I'm going to reference a few places, but it, it, it comes up a lot. In the Bible, yeah, okay. and I had no idea. Having grown up in a Christian family, I'd never heard about pomegranate in the Bible. <laughs> but neither um, have I. But I think this was the the thing that you were going to say before. Uh, yeah. s- some people have suggested that um, the pomegranate and not the apple was actually the original forbidden fruit. Yes, and I, I thought say. that was an, an interesting thing because um, both both the apple and the pomegranate are indigenous to the area that is thought to have been the the, um, the area where the Garden of Eden was. And f- for those people who have no idea, the Garden of Eden is thought to be where birth of man was. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's, it's interesting to think how it could just be a, a subtle shift of which... Which fruit it was that was actually being used? You know, we call it an apple, but you know, was it a a traditional apple or was it something else? Right? Was it a granny apple? Exactly, exactly. Mm. So I, you know, I thought that was that was interesting because I would, I've, I've never considered that it could have been something else. Well, it kind of,
0: I feel like it makes more sense that it was the pomegranate and not an apple because of its historic sort of importance with many religions.
1: Yeah. Well we Whereas haven't we haven't done that no
0: I know, I know. But I just it doesn't feel like apples have that history. Although I didn't think that pomegranates had that history either. So I yeah. can't really comment on that yet.
1: Well it'll I? be interesting to know how many times apples are referenced in the Bible because I mean, I'm going to talk through some of the references for pomegranate and then, you know, I'm going to talk biblical. So I've got Christian history. I've got, you know, the Jewish history and Hebrew. And then you've got Buddhism and then there's pagan. And like, there's so many, so many religions that link to the pomegranate. It does kind of make sense that maybe it was this, the original, uh, but I don't know. You know, we're just, we're kind of just guessing it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the poet of the Song of Songs, which is a, a, a book in the Bible, but uh, they they mention they mention the pomegranate uh, six times, and they compare. Well, the poet who wrote it compares his beloved to a park of pomegranates whose cheeks resemble a pomegranate split open. Right, That's an interesting saying, right? With the That's rosy nice. red cheeks. Mm. <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's also listed as one of three fruits brought to Moses by his scouts to demonstrate the fertility of the Holy Land, which is the Holy Land is Canaan. Mm. Um, a, another quote here from Numbers 13, is, and they came unto the brook of Eshcol and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes and they bear it between two upon a staff and they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. So they had grapes, pomegranates and figs in that, in that um, reference. Man, that sounds like a cheese board waiting to happen. It sure does, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh King Solomon is supposed to have built the first temple whose pillar capitals featured pomegranate imagery. First yeah. uh one Kings uh, chapter seven, verse twenty. Uh, but apparently these decorations were looted by the Babylonians in the sixth century. Uh, so yeah, the King Solomon and and his his temple had pomegranates on it. Yeah, wow. And then, so in this temple, the only artifact that they found was a two-inch tall ivory pomegranate. Some some kind of historians think that it crowned uh, on top of a scepter, but uh, some also think that it was a fake, which is interesting, right, because the writing on the fruit's neck has been interpreted to read, holy to the priests belonging to the house of Yahweh. Okay. Um, so some are saying that it's real, and then some are saying it's fake, but it you know, who would go to that much trouble to fake writing in ivory and yeah. uh, it, uh, anyway, the the jury's out on that one, but uh mm. you know, some some believe it, some think it's fake. Uh so yeah, what I said was the the fact that the forgers used the already ancient ivory to um simulate a temple artifact kind of supports its recognition and in this case even by criminals mm. if they're faking it as a yeah. sacred symbol. Wow. Yeah, so it's, uh, you know, even, even people who are not religious are still looking up to, this, to this, this berry, right? And then later on in what they call the second temple, this is the King Solomon, they mm. had pomegranates embroidered on their robes according to Exodus 28. It's also one of the seven species, so two grains and five fruits, that were permissible for offerings in the temple and pictures of pomegranates appear on ancient Judaic coins. Man, how did I not know this? It's incredible, man! Like, just there's there's still some there's one specific story I'm going to tell later, which is just amazing. But yeah, it, it wow. it's like there is so much history surrounding this thing. It, it's it's incredible how there much is are. out there, right? Um. So as we kind of move on, we've got pomegranates appearing on Judaic coins, but then it also featured significantly in early Jewish decorative art as well. It was embroidered into the hem of the high priest's robe and carved into the capitals of the temple pillars. Um, It was also suggested that uh, the pomegranate was symbolic of sanctity, abundance, and faithfulness. So it started kind of weaving its way into the Jewish belief system as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so in the biblical times, uh, the Israelites, you know, they had, they had this kind of high belief for the pomegranate and then that filtered into its role as the, the new year symbol that I mentioned in, uh, Rosh Hash, Hashanah. Hmm. And, um, that belief, well, Rosh Hashanah comes a bit later, but, you know, it's already started to take shape. One of the earliest written accounts connecting the pomegranate and fertility to the Jewish New Year was by a rabbi called David uh, Abu Dharam and he lived in Spain in the 13th and 14th century. This is AD, so, you know, a couple of thousand yeah. years later. And uh, he was uh, his book, it's called Sefer Abu Dharam. It contains the first reference to eating pomegranate during the holiday and to the prayer, may our blessings proliferate like the seeds of the pomegranate. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So really, really you know, culturally it's it's really starting to uh weave its way into the fabric of what they believe. Yeah. Uh and also the pomegranate emerged in Christian art as well as a symbol of cross resurrection and the promise of life after death. And that to me, that kind of plays into that original forbidden fruit as well. Cause yeah. You know, with the fall of man, and then the promise of yeah. you know, having your sins forgiven, and yeah, all that sort of stuff. Kind of, it all kind of ties in together, right? But yeah, there, why would you use two different fruits? Doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Come on. Uh, in, in, <laughs> uh, there were some paintings by uh, Botticelli, uh, yep. Raphael, and uh, Filipino Lippi. The Virgin Mary appears with the infant Christ and a pomegranate. Uh, there's a symbol of this is a symbol of Jesus's resurrection and life everlasting and the pomegranate represents uh, plentitude, hope spiritual fruitfulness and the Virgin Mary's chastity wow yeah I guess full of seed or something I don't know <laughs> <laughs> yes the, the, the Virgin <laughs> Mary perfect, yeah the Virgin Mary's also being linked to the pomegranate tree filled with sweetness because like the enclosed seeds of a pomegranate she is said to contain within her many beliefs for mankind all revealed in the form of christ so really quite symbolic there in terms of the christian faith um or the christianity taking shape and they're you know linked to to jesus um if we move away
0: fascinating because when looking at art and you know mm-hmm. particularly you know, Renaissance art and, and all that sort of that area. I've never really noticed pomegranate per se. No. You know. Me but it's quite prevalent. Yes.
1: Yeah. Everywhere. It's, and it's it's like, especially in that, that I wanna say upper class, but it's religious and yeah, kind of really revered art and that sort of thing. You're probably going to find a bit of pomegranate in there if you look hard enough.
0: Yeah. It's just so amazing. I I can tell you now when, um, you know, uh, national galleries open up again, that's the first thing I'm going to be doing is going and looking for like what, I suppose just taking more notice of what they're holding of.
1: Yeah, if you think about like the Last Supper. Depicted. Yeah. Yeah. I've never yeah, you don't actually look at what's stopped. on the table, yeah. No, I've never no. stopped to look at what 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 are they being served. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, man. It's yep. just so cool. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So if we if we move to the Romans, right? The Romans named the fruit uh punicum malum, and that translates to Phoenician apple, Phoenician apple, I should say. Mm. In ancient Rome, the pomegranates grew uh, in a lot of the residential courtyards and were really kind of enjoyed as a, like a, a summer fruit. But the pomegranates themselves were depicted in Roman mosaics um, and one particular one is the House of the Fruit Orchard located in Pompeii. And uh, married women in Rome actually wore headdresses made of pomegranate twigs to signify their marital status.
0: Nice.
1: Yeah, which is interesting because, you know, add something else to the list. But um throughout and this is a region called Levant, which is uh kind of like persia, so iraq and um, and that kind of region uh, the pomegranate right through that through the last five thousand years was associated with life, marriage, fertility, and death. so you've got life and death plus you know, I guess everything in between marriage and children um, so really interesting way they they connect, connect with, this, with this plant. This next story, uh, I've always been fascinated by this person and uh, I found it really interesting reading this story, and this is what I mentioned earlier where I had another story, uh, is Xerxes, right? Oh. Yes. That a bell for me. Yeah, you know, think of the 300 where the, yes. uh, the Greek yeah, Spartans. Yeah, yeah the Spartans. For, yeah, Xerxes is trying to conquer the conquer the world really at the end of the day. but um, yeah. Yeah, the Persians. So the ancient Persians. Um, Was he believed to be a god, Xerxes? He believed himself to be a god. Yes. yes yeah. Okay. Um, they, they were quite quite enthralled by the symbolism of of the pomegranate, right? And there's a a particular uh, faith called uh, I know I'm not going to pronounce this right, but Zoroastrianism, and Xerxes, what?
0: Carry
1: on. <laughs> Xerxes was a follower. Is it follower not of,
0: pronounced the mask of Zorro, <laughs> <Whatever you laughs> The <said. laughs> mask of Zorro.
1: Uh, that's how long he's been around, right? Yeah, yeah. go on. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Xerxes is thought to have been a follower of this, this um, belief system, right, or mm. religion or whatever you want to call it. And uh, the roots of this system go back. As nearly 4,000 years ago. So the the actual system was around before Xerxes, but he's thought to be a a follower of it. And they revered the pomegranate tree as a perennial, which is, you know, it goes all year round, and therefore is a symbol of divine eternal life. And the pomegranate trees were planted in the courtyards of the uh, Zoroastrian temples because their leaves were green most of the year was a symbol of eternal life, right? Oh, wow. Yeah. So... So then leaves green all year round, yeah, yeah, they, they that's what uh, perennial means, yeah, just all the time, yeah, so cool. Mm. The Greek historian, and we've brought this guy up a couple of times, and I think not not this episode, but one coming up, we should do a sidebar on Herodotus,
0: oh yeah.
1: So Herodotus describes Xerxes riding out of Sardis with his soldiers, uh, hoping to complete his father's conquest of Greece. His father was uh, Darius, right. The, the Xerxes warriors bore modified spears which um, kind of played into the belief of their own immortality. So the part of the Zoro I didn't go into a lot of detail the Zoroastrianism is this um, they're, they're not it, it's this fight of good and bad and how to become immortal. Uh, but the, anyway, the belief of their immortality, which is why Xerxes thought he was a god he was really is part of his belief system. And uh, they, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, reference something exactly from what Herodotus wrote. Behind, behind him came a thousand spearmen of the best and noblest blood of Persia, carrying their spears in the customary manner. After them, a thousand piked Persian horsemen. And after the horse, 10,000 were foot soldiers chosen out of the rest of the Persians. One thousand of these had golden pomegranates on their spear shafts instead of a spike and surrounded the rest. Uh, the nine thousand who were inside them had silver pomegranates. Those who held their spears reversed uh, also carried golden pomegranates, and those following nearest Xerxes had apples of gold. Wow, you think about how many people he just mentioned there, right? Yeah. so a thousand spearmen. <clears throat> And then a thousand piked persian uh sorry t- uh, a thousand piked Persian horsemen, and then ten thousand foot soldiers, mm. but one thousand of those ten thousand had golden pomegranate, and then the other nine thousand had silver pomegranates, like
0: that's
1: a lot of pomegranate it's, it's, you know, <laughs> it's a lot of pomegranate, but these guys are marching to battle so the the thought yeah. behind that was <laughs> that um it was the hope of striking terror into the breasts of fruit-fearing enemy. But I I think they, the pomegranate had this symbol of eternal life and immortality. So if his army is carrying the pomegranate, then the thought is that the people they're fighting against would think they're immortal. Wow. Isn't that just fascinating? Like, it. There's just so much to
0: it. Yeah. Like there's so much to it. Yeah, I just really had no idea that it had such a prominent.
1: I had no idea place either. in history, yeah.
0: especially religious history.
1: Yeah, I, I going into this, I had zero knowledge about the pomegranate, other than the fact that I've eaten it mm. a few times. Yeah, and nothing. I knew nothing about it at all. And now we've gone from it could have been the original forbidden fruit to all of this. Religious significance across many different religions and belief systems, and yeah, just like fascinating, right? Mm. Um, so that was, yeah, that was Xerxes. Now, I want to do a little bit about um, Greek mythology, okay? Mm -hmm. So, similar, um, the Greeks, uh, they also had their own association with it, and particularly with deities and their own fertility, and it was linked with. Pardon me, the fertility goddess um, Demta and her daughter Persephone, right? Okay. So there are a few different versions of this story, but they all kind of um, end at the same point, right? The, the, god, uh, the god of the underworld, Hades, was uh, quite, um, quite smitten with Persephone, the daughter of uh, Demta. And uh, Demta is actually also the daughter of Zeus. So you've got... Um, Ooh. So Zeus's granddaughter. No, no, the daughter of of Zeus, and Zeus and Demta got together and had Persephone, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, didn't you say that Demta was the daughter of Zeus? No, no, no. No. I I meant Persephone if I did say that. So (laughs) Persephone is the daughter.
0: (laughs) I was like, okay, yeah, cool.
1: And and Demta is is actually the um, goddess of fertility, Yes, Well, it makes sense
0: that Zeus was playing down that... uh, (laughs)
1: rude yeah so hades was uh like i said really smitten with persephone and abducted her to the underworld okay um bum, bum, bum. the story of God, Sorry. <laughs> yeah, the story of where and you know all that sort of stuff changes depending on which story but the fact remains she was abducted to the underworld and um Demta, the mum, was so enraged that she set out to, to search for her. But what she did was uh, she she shut down fertility. She's the goddess of fertility, but not. Mm-hmm. we're not talking about fertility in people. We're talking about the fertility of the earth, right? Mm. So the earth became barren and didn't produce any food. And Persephone, while she was uh, down in the underworld, she she fasted as well, so no eating, on the grounds that if she ate, she would have to remain there for eternity. So she abstained from eating. Mm-hmm. And then what happened was is that the, the rest of the world started to starve because nobody could grow any crops. And Zeus, Zeus was enraged by this, this, um, the plight of humans that was happening. And he, he went to Hades and ordered him to return Persephone uh, back to the, to the um, real world or to the you know, the physical earth. Yeah, And uh, he did this, but before he did it, he actually convinced uh, Persephone to eat pomegranate seeds. And what happened was is that she ate uh, a certain number of seeds and what this did was force her to stay by his side in the underworld for a portion of the year. And depending on the story, it's three months or six months. But basically the outcome of this story is that uh, her time – in the underworld each year is winter, and when she comes out, it's summer. So the story is her oh, wow. shift. Yeah. So uh that is all linked to her eating pomegranate seeds.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. That is that is really cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought it was interesting. Oh, I, I love mean, that story. This is this is uh clearly in a time where uh I think they thought the earth was flat because um know, obviously flat, we isn't? have summer and winter on different sides. <laughs> Because water's flat. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Self leveling. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> let's not open that can of worms.
0: No, let's not.
1: <laughs> oh, uh, that's. I love that. That's really yeah, cool. Yeah,
0: it, it was a cool story. I feel like that's the first case of. Uh, what do you call it? Um, you know, when you take someone captive and the kidnapper. Oh
1: uh, yeah, um, Stockholm syndrome. Stockholm, Yeah, yeah.
0: yes. <laughs> so maybe it's not Stockholm syndrome. Maybe it's um, the underworld syndrome. Yeah, Hades. Yeah. yeah. Hades syndrome.
1: Yeah, that's
0: it. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like that's the first case of it. If mm. we're really talking about it, because he convinced Persephone to
1: to Eat take pomegranate. pomegranate. Yeah, that's
0: it. Yeah, I and mean, she knew that eternity would be is on yeah. the cards.
1: Yeah. So I think the theory is that she didn't because she didn't eat the whole pomegranate. She wasn't mm. stuck there forever. She only ate a certain amount, so she had to do a certain time. I yep. love that. That's so yep. cool. Yeah, it was cool, right? Uh, yeah, so, you know, we've covered uh, Christian and biblical belief and Jewish um, and, uh, you know, the Romans and Greek mythology and that sort of thing, and we've also got uh, Buddhism, right? Mm. So it's actually believed that Buddha, when Buddha Existed right was camping in the kingdom of uh, Bindusara, and his kind of wealthy disciples presented him with lavish lavish gifts right. And one of one of his disciples was this old poor woman who travelled, you know, a, a really long way to see him. Presented him with one small pomegranate right. Buddha uh, rang the bell in honor of her name and considered the pomegranate to be the greatest gift that he received. Wow! So. In Buddhism, the pomegranate is one of the three blessed fruits and represents the essence of favorable influences in Buddhist art, which I had zero idea of, right? Which is incredible, right? So then you've got uh, this bloke called uh, Bodhi Bodh Bodhi, Bodhidhama? Oh, yeah. You know who that is? Yeah. Yep. He's a monk. Yeah, so he's an Indian. That's monk. It's a
0: cafe in. Yes. Yes, yes. monk Bodhidharma. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Bodhi Bodhidharma.
0: Yes.
1: Uh, Indian monk and meditation master, right? So he mm-hmm. he turned up in China and he founded uh, Zen or the Zen the, the theory of Zen, yep. and which is, at the time, it was this school of Buddhism, and it was all framed after after Buddha, so Bodhidharma. Um, his most significant uh, – it was most significant in giving Zen its kind of distinctive character. Uh, pomegranates, among other things, uh decorated the temple of the founder of Zen, which was built in 1195 in China to honor, honor Bodhidharma, right? So they, they used a bunch of pomegranate to, to decorate his temple. <laughs> I know, right? It's like <laughs> – Uh, It's just—it's so hard to imagine how so many different cultures are linking the same—the same plant for the same, almost the same reasons. Whether whether their belief is exactly on, it's still—it's still revered and it's still, you know, placed Mm. on a pedestal. Um, So in China, the pomegranate's chief significance was a symbol of fertility, but uh, Buddha is. Is often depicted as holding a pomegranate, a peach, and a citron. It's just the three fruits, fruits of abundance. And uh, also in Turkey, a bride traditionally determined uh, how many children she would have by smashing a pomegranate to the ground and seeing how many seeds came out. Oh, that's that's cool. <laughs> yeah. I like that. <laughs> cool, but scary, right? I mean, how yeah. many seeds are in a pomegranate? <laughs> yeah, a lot,
0: but they don't. Uh, they're all tucked in.
1: They are, they're, they're yeah. all, yeah, yes, they are. So, and it's quite a, a it's got a decent rind on it. So if you're just throwing yeah. it to the ground, I don't know yeah. how it's coming out, but yeah. Well, maybe, you, maybe you could be
0: like, I don't really want that many kids. So <laughs> just, like, just kind
1: of uh, gently.
0: Uh, uh, oh, I <laughs> dropped a, oh, no, yeah. nothing. Oh, no kids. All right, cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we briefly talked about Buddhism. Now we've got uh, Muslims, right? Yep. So, Coming into Musa the pomegranate kind of retains that same mystique, and it's actually referenced in the Quran as a blessed fruit. Uh, but they don't—they they say a blessed fruit, but they don't give any kind of special power to it, right? So this is a, a qu- quote from the Quran, and He who has brought uh, into being gardens, the trellised and the untrellised, the palm trees and the crops, all varying in taste, and the olive and pomegranates all resembling one another and yet so different, right? So they kind of directly talk about it in the Quran. Mm. But uh, Muhammad, um, the prophet whose visions kind of laid the foundation for Islam, yeah. considered the pomegranate to be a precious fruit, uh, particularly filled with nutrition, and also bringing both emotional and physical peace. And legend has it that each pomegranate contains one arrow descended directly from paradise. Okay. Yeah, which I mean, wow. we, I, I kind of think that's that's a huge f- for the for the Muslim thing. I mean, they're talking about uh, having one one seed in there uh, descending yeah. directly from their version of paradise or heaven or whatever you want to call it. Like that's yeah. that's a pretty big um, significance for them. Absolutely. Well, just uh, for anyone listening who doesn't know, an arrow mm-hmm. is this
0: a, a seed inside yes, the pomegranate. It yeah. is. Yeah, they uh, just called arrows.
1: Yes. Uh so during the uh Islamic Nasrid dynasty, this is the during the time of the Moors, uh, they built uh the Alhambra in Granada in Spain, which is a, a basically a massive palace and fortress. And inside this this palace they had a mosque, right? And um they also had this bath and royal residential quarters and you know, all sort of stuff. But uh Pomegranates are actually used in the the archway designs and mosaics in this this huge palace. So the you know the um, the Moors who are Muslims they you know still putting it into their decorations and and I guess it's a sign of how much they revered uh, the pomegranate as well. And then what happened was Queen Isabella and King Ferdinand they conquered Spain back from uh, the Moors. And uh, according to local law, the queen stood with a pomegranate in her hand and declared, and this is a quote, just like the pomegranate, I will take over Andalusia seed by seed. So, you know, she's using it as a reference for what she's going to do. But uh, the pomegranate, and this is in Granada, right, which is named after the pomegranate. Yeah, Um, The fruit is actually, and I had to Google this to check, but uh, the fruit is still included in the coat of arms to this day, and it is actually it is actually in their coat of arms. Yeah. Wow, that's really cool. Yes, I thought that was interesting, right? Uh, there's evidence of pagan respect for pomegranate. A skeleton dated to the 13th century BC, found in a place called Nami in Israel, and uh, they were buried with Bronze pomegranate scepters and um, Canaanite graves with clay pomegranates as well, so you know it's not just religion you've got the pagans as well and um, during the reign of uh, King Henry the Eighth of England, he was married to Catherine of Aragon right and uh, th- so this uh, Catherine of Aragon is the daughter of Queen Isabella and Ferdinand, the people who conquered Spain mm. To represent this union, Henry had the couple's emblems, the pomegranate of Granada, the arrow sheaf of Aragon and the Tudor rose merged together. And uh, this merge was put on every royal palace. So pomegranate was basically put everywhere where there was royalty. And um, gilded pomegranates were used during the festivities surrounding the wedding ceremony and the Queen's coronation. It's also said that Henry planted the first pomegranate tree in Britain. Wow. Wow. I know, it's it's crazy, right? And uh, we've got uh, Maximilian I of Austria, who's a Roman emperor, a a holy Roman emperor, was depicted in uh, Albrich Dürer's 1519 portrait holding a pomegranate in the same way that a monarch holds an orb during his coronation. Oh, my (laughs) gosh. It's just crazy, right? So during Maximilian's reign, he actually adopted the pomegranate as his personal emblem. Wow. Uh so yeah, I mean just there's just so many references of people who are um I don't want to say worshiping, but I think revered is the right word they They revere this this plant, yeah, there's uh the Duke of Florence and the first Grand Duke of Tuscany were depicted in several paintings wearing a dress that prominently displays a pomegranate design. Having given birth to seven sons, um, ensuring the continued line of the ruling Medici family, she used the pomegranate to symbolise her valued role as a mother. So again, using it as a a different symbol, but still a symbol nonetheless. King Henry IV of France uh, passed the Edict of Nantes, which granted religious freedom and ended uh, the civil war between the Catholics and the Protestants. And to represent his reign, he chose the pomegranate as his heraldic badge, and the motto "sweet yet sour," comparing the nature of the fruit with his, with his belief that the king should temper severity with mildness. So again, wow. another symbol, a, a, a different symbol to you know previous things before it, but still using it in a way to kind of represent who who he is and what he believes. So cool. Yeah, and then uh, French Revolution, the government created a Republican calendar and commissioned the artist Louis Lafayette to provide illustrations. And for each month, uh, as a kind of um, a female figure. And for the 12th month of the year, uh, Fructidor, which is actually August slash September at this point in time on this calendar, Lafayette portrayed the Virgo Virgin and an open pomegranate and this is thought to have been as kind of an allusion to the pomegranate's association with chastity, fruitfulness, and harvest. Uh, so yeah, I mean again another <laughs> another symbol that's that's being used for. but um, if we go right forward, we've got uh, the pomegranate that was introduced into what they call the New world by the Spanish settlers. Uh, and cultivated through the rest of the world so south america north america again you know we've talked about this in the past and uh, california produces quite a lot of pomegranate yeah um, and arizona and places like that but um an- another way to look at the historical significance of one of these things is is the cookbooks that existed right so yeah. pomegranates It it seems on the surface that they were better known to cooks over 500 years ago than than they are today. And this is uh, the fact that uh, Islamic invaders, when they occupied Spain and Sicily, brought the pomegranate to the conquered kitchens, right? So the Moorish king of Granada used the pomegranate as his emblem that I spoke about. And um, the tart juice of the fruit was actually used as a condiment, much as we use lemon juice today to cut through the fat and oil um, in certain foods wow. So you can see All of this symbolic history Through Christians um, The Jews The Muslims The Buddhists There's even pagan And then Greek mythology um, You know It's, it's like It's life really. It is It is just It's mind-blowingly Incredible I, I can't get over it Still Yeah But um, And we To put this Into context we had
0: no idea about this before we chose pomegranate we didn't even look up no does pomegranate have a history we <laughs> literally had a conversation saying what should we do <laughs> let's do pomegranate yep. because it's a fruit that people may be able to eat during winter that's mm-hmm. what we that's the yep. reason that we did pomegranate Correct. Uh, yeah. We didn't want to do something that, you know, it's like a summer fruit because like I think we were talking about doing watermelon because – Yeah. But no one's going to eat watermelon at the moment, but pomegranate you can use it in different salads and all the rest of it. So we had no idea about this. No, zero.
1: I had absolutely no idea. Yeah.
0: It's just so vast.
1: hmm mm-hmm.
0: And through so many different religions, it's really hard to take that all in to say – and we find them on the supermarket shelves next to kiwi fruit or something like that. You know, there's, like there's it a, just
1: makes—I know. And there's a there's a little piece of me that that actually feels quite sad when I when I learn all of this, and and then you say we just go to the supermarket and pick it up off a shelf. I yeah. I kind of feel sad that we've lost we've lost this connection with yeah. not just pomegranate. I mean, we've been through a few that have quite deep traditions and deep history, and it's a little bit sad that we just walk into a shop, pick it off shelf, put it in our trolley and walk out and don't think anything about it.
0: No, no. Mm.
1: We don't think about
0: uh, – it's very true. We don't think about the history of fruits and vegetables that we mm. pick up from the supermarket, and yeah. they all have – you know, of course there are some that have been genetically made recently recently mm. um, as offshoots of other um, vegetables and fruits, but you know some of these fruits and vegetables have long, prolific histories mm. through medicine, through religious um, systems, and we just don't realise how how incredibly diverse it can be. Mm. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just, I still can't believe how involved it is in yeah. history
1: yeah and yeah. in, involved and uh, we haven't come across many others yet that are so connected across so many different religions as well yes which yes. which for me makes the thought that it was the original forbidden fruit a yeah. little bit more plausible
0: yes, just because absolutely. of its
1: connection to everybody yeah 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 but um mate that is the history of the pomegranate
0: You ready for a bit of nutrition?
1: I am, mate. I'm looking forward to this.
0: Amazing. All right. So as always, when we get to nutrition, we're going to break it down to, you know, a, a pomegranate has X amount of things. So for this one, it's going to be a little bit different. It's not, we're not going off hundred grams. We're mm-hmm. going off a, a one cup of Arils, which is yep. the seeds. Mm-hmm. So it's usually runs out to be about 174 grams. Okay. Okay. So, 174 grams of pomegranate, uh, the arils, will give you about 7 grams of fiber, about 3 grams of protein. It'll give you 30% of your recommended daily intake of vitamin C. It'll give you 36% of your recommended daily intake of vitamin K. And it'll give you 16% of your recommended daily intake of folate and 12% of potassium. Okay. Okay. Yep. Now, vitamin C we've spoken about in depth before. Vitamin K, you covered off vitamin K in detail last week mm-hmm. in parsley.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so that was really good. Folate, we know about that as well, and potassium as well. So we're not going to dwell too much on the vitamins this week. Uh, we, I suppose what we should say at the beginning of this is, when we start talking about vitamins and minerals, it's often not enough time in each podcast for us to cover off all the benefits of particular vitamins and minerals. Mm. It, it pushes these podcasts out to be really long. So uh, starting from you in, know in not this week but in next week, we're going to be doing some mini episodes uh, where we cover off A-vitamin And talk about that for about 10 to 15 minutes. Yep. Where, you know, if you want to know a little bit more about vitamin K, you can just look up this little podcast. It'll tell you a bit more about vitamin K in a bite-sized episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you want to know more about folate or potassium or vitamin C, then we'll cover off those things. And you'll be able to just go to these little mini episodes and have a listen of that uh, over 10 minutes. Yeah, sounds great. Yeah, so just much easier for everyone. So, okay, so pomegranate has actually been used for thousands of years, which you have led to, uh, to cure a wide range of diseases. And this spans across different cultures and civilizations. Now, that makes more sense to me now that you have told me the vast history of the pomegranate. Mm -hmm. I can see how it spans across these different cultures and civilizations. It has such a strong religious aspect to the the berry, but it also has this medicinal side. Mm. So pomegranates have been used to treat uh, osteoarthritis, cancer, heart disease, It's also used in holistic and natural medicines for treatment in regards to sore throats, coughs, skin disorders, arthritis, and much more. The juice has been used to treat jaundice and diarrhea Mm. um, and dried pulverized flower buds uh, are used as a remedy for bronchitis. Wow. Yeah. So in a. Ayurvedic. 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 Oh, God. I always get that wrong. Me too. So I'm going to start off by just saying there's a lot of stuff I'm probably going to pronounce wrong at the moment, <clears throat> but uh, you know what I mean. <laughs> Let's just go with that. Yeah. Um, so in Ayurvedic medicine, now, Ayurvedic medicine is an Indian medicinal medicine. Mm-hmm. So just so everyone knows. And Tim's spoken about Ayurvedic medicine in previous podcasts as well. Uh, pomegranate is used in the treatment of parasitic infection,
1: mm. okay. uh,
0: which includes diarrhea and ulcers. Now that goes back to what I was just talking about before, where the juice was used uh, to treat jaundice and diarrhea. So again, the same thing over again. Um, although recently pomegranate has been studied... Uh, you know, in pharmacological actions of anti-inflammatory, antioxidant and anti-carcinogenic. Wow. So, you know, when we look at modern medicine and science, uh, it's been shown through various studies that the nutrient-dense fruit or berry uh, can provide a range of health benefits. Now, I'm going to go on to a whole range of benefits afterwards. I'm going to give basically a little synopsis. Of what we're going to cover just now. And then we're going to talk about each of these individually. So, pomegranates are high in polyphenols. Now, polyphenols are uh, an antioxidant, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, pomegranate is high in polyphenols, including fa- flavonoids and tannins. Now, we're going to talk about polyphenols in another mini podcast because it is a very big subject so i don't Mm -hmm. want to get too much into it right now but uh, we will talk about polyphenols in another podcast now these phytochemicals act as antioxidants uh, which we've spoken about in past episodes and they decrease oxidation in the body and help to protect cells from free radical damage now with pomegranates, when you look at anything that has a nutrition label in it, on it, you're not going to see the 122 phytochemicals that pomegranate juice has in it, but you will see things like vitamin K and the folate and the potassium, all right? Uh, the juice also provides about 5% of your daily value for vitamin E, B6, and pantothenic acid. Okay. Okay. Now, as with most vegetables and fruits that we talk about on this podcast, eating the whole seeds with the embryo has the most benefit to your body in terms of fiber, and it provides about 40% of the daily requirements for vitamin C, or 36, I think it was, 36% of your total uh, vitamin C um, in that 174 grams, which is a cup of arils Yep. So, there's something to be noted here, though. Now, pomegranate, and then uh, I found this really fascinating. Pomegranate juice, it's really good for you, contains all of the vitamins and minerals, less, you know, the fiber, uh, which we spoke about. Usually, when you juice something, you're getting rid of the fiber and you're just extracting the rest of the vitamins and minerals from it. Yeah. So, there's always that case for to juice or not to juice, which I think is, you know, common in everything that people talk about. Mm. The most interesting part about this, though, is that commercial pomegranate juice uh, has actually been pasteurized for safety.
1: That's interesting.
0: Yeah. Now, when you pasteurize something, it's basically, they call it flash pasteurization, where they heat the juice up to a really high temperature for a short period of time, and then they rapidly cool it and then bottle it. Yep. Now, the interesting part about this is, and you may remember this from our previous podcast, is that vitamin C is actually Mm. water-soluble. So it easily leaches into the water, and then it is actually degraded by heat. Mm. So when flash pasteurization happens, or pasteurization of the pomegranate juice, it essentially destroys the vitamin C. Yep. Yep. So... If you get pomegranate juice from the, the supermarket, that's a pasteurized version of it. So you're basically missing out on the vitamin C from that.
1: Mm.
0: Although there may be some that remains, but because of the pasteurization process, you, you lose that. So the best way to have pomegranate juice, if you're going to have it, is fresh. Yeah. Usually the case with most things. Yeah, pretty, pretty common thread. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. But I just found that really, like you wouldn't realize that that is what was happening. I I didn't know they pasteurized
1: uh, pomegranate juice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it gives it a longer shelf life. Yeah. Um, I think it's better for food safety as well because Mm -hmm. the bottling process and then bringing it to shelves. But quite, uh, I didn't realize they pasteurized it either.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. 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 Okay,
0: so now we're going to move on to a couple of specific compounds that are found in pomegranates, which are not found in a lot of other fruits and vegetables. Cool. All right. Now, I may pronounce this wrong, so I apologize in advance. Hmm. These are uh, punicalogens and
1: punisic acid. Okay. It plays into the original Latin name of punisia. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. So... Uh, Punicalagins mm-hmm. are large molecule molecules um, which are ellagitannins, uh, and they're found in pomegranates and pomegranate juice. Essentially, they're just really potent antioxidants. Yep, um, they're so powerful that uh, pomegranate juice has actually been found to have three times the antioxidant activity of red wine or green tea. Wow! Yeah. That being said, though, and this is a part that a lot of people miss out on, I think, when they start talking about uh, antioxidants and, and all other types of vitamins and minerals, the overall amount of the uh that get into your bloodstream after oral ingestion is quite small.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. So okay. pomegranate extract uh, and the powder is typically made from peel uh, due to its high antioxidant and puni collagen content. Um, now, it can also be metabolized into other compounds, which include... Uh, ele- ele- Elagic. <laughs> Elagic acid, that's yeah. right. I was like, I can say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and urolithins, urolithins, sorry, urolithins, that themselves have antioxidant capabilities, although it's a little less than what the uh punicalogens are. The ele- ele- Elagic Why do I keep getting that wrong? It's yeah. funny spelling. Elagic. Elagic. The elagic acid and euro urolithins still confer a lot of health benefits. Uh, but their antioxidant capabilities are about the same as green tea and red wine. Which is uh, pretty good. It's still really good, right? Mm. But it's just a lesser amount. Yeah. So I suppose the biggest takeout to that is though even though the puny uh found in pomegranates are like really powerful antioxidants, after we orally intake them, they're not as potent you know, in the bloodstream. They don't get absorbed that well. But mm-hmm. there are other antioxidants and other compounds that are metabolized within the pomegranate that, that still do this antioxidant work that are the same as red wine and, and green tea. Yep. So the other thing that they find in pomegranates is the punicic acid. So punisic acid, uh, it's found in the seed oil. And it's the main fatty acid that's found in pomegranate, in Mm -hmm. the arils. Now, this is a type of conjugated linoleic acid. Yep. Conjugated linoleic acid. Yes. Or CLA. Yes. Which we have spoken about before even talking about the podcast.
1: This is years ago.
0: Yeah. Yes. CLA. Before we were both cut meat from our diet and dairy, predominantly dairy, um, we used to actually take CLA for, I mean, it's used as a weight loss, really. It's a type mm. of omega-6 fatty acid that helps you with weight loss. Yeah. Now, interestingly, and I'll get to this at the end of this, but so uh, the punisic acid is a type of conjugated linoleic acid, uh, essentially a type of polyunsaturated omega-6 fatty acids. Now, technically, this is a trans fat.
1: mm uh, but it's a,
0: yeah, but it's a natural type of trans fat that occurs in you know many healthy what they class as healthy foods now predominantly c l a is found in meat and dairy mm.
1: um
0: but I read a little study about uh manufactured c l a yep and c l a in high quantity is actually really bad for you interesting, yeah. yeah. So, although it has that weight loss effect mm. and can help with with weight loss, in excess or in high doses, it's actually quite bad for you.
1: Mm. So, there's it's, many Yes, because yeah, you know our link to CLA is through the fitness industry, right? And the, the fitness industry is rife with marketing products to the consumers with little research behind yes. it and people just lap it up based on whatever the the touted health benefits are and you're like yeah I'll take this oh I'm going to start taking CLA for weight loss and everything mm-hmm. and then the research comes behind it and you know we get things like this where it potentially could have negative impact on you like it's well, incredible yeah
0: I feel like there's a lot I feel like there's a lot of products that are toted to have quite large benefits to you, but a lot of it's short-term mm. short-term gains, I guess you would call it, yeah. uh, or sh- uh, able to results, help you yeah. achieve short-term results, but long-term uh, effects on your body and health yeah. uh, don't really get taken into account when mm. these products are pushed. Yeah. So CLA – Although it can be good for you in small amounts, it's not so good for you in higher amounts. And there's a lot of research on that. You can find studies. I read a couple of studies, but there's a whole range of studies that that kind of go into that. Yep. Okay. So let's start talking about anti-inflammatory effects. Mm
1: -hmm. Now,
0: we all know that, you know, inflammation of your body is a leading cause for serious disease that includes heart disease, cancer, type 2 diabetes, uh, obesity, even Alzheimer's disease. But pomegranates have these anti-inflammatory properties, which, again, we talked about there were the punicalogens. Um, But there's been some studies that have shown that they can reduce inflammatory Uh, Inflammatory activity in the digestive tract, um, as well as in breast cancer and colon cancer cells. Wow. So a 12-week study uh, in people with diabetes found that just 250 mils of pomegranate juice per day lowered the inflammatory markers. Um, There's a couple of different markers that they talk about here, but they they pulled them down by 30,
1: about 30%. Whew. Yeah. That's a now, that's decent a, reduction. Yeah.
0: yeah. And that's over a 12 week study. Yeah, And you're reducing those uh, infl- inflammatory markers by 30%. Yep. yep. Just yep. by having, you know, basically a cup of a juice. A cup. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy, right?
1: hmm.
0: Okay. We're going to talk about prostate cancer now as well so prostate cancer doesn't occur in women i don't know if you knew that oh, <laughs> thanks, <laughs> right? yeah. there you go so you yeah. learn something new every day That's it, yeah. yeah so it's actually a really and this is quite sad but it's actually a really common cancer for men yep it's prostate cancer now uh there's been some lab studies that suggest that pomegranate actually slows cancer cell reproduction or even induces a apoptosis, which is cell death, in cancer cells. Wow. So when they start looking at prostate cancer, there is a certain blood marker that they look for,
1: mm.
0: and now this blood marker is a prostate-specific antigen, and PSA. they call it PSA. Exactly. Yeah. So men whose PSA levels double in a short period of time uh, increase risk. Of death from prostate cancer.
1: Yep. Okay.
0: So they did a human study um, that found that drinking, again, 237 mils of pomegranate juice, which is about a cup uh, of pomegranate juice per day, increased the PSA doubling time from 15 months to 54 months. Jesus. Yeah. That's huge. That is massive. Yeah. Yeah. So oh,
1: yeah.
0: I know. <laughs> so this kind of I I when I was doing this, I was like, that kind of leads you into going, well, no wonder these things were these veg this mm. berry was so revered in the past and used mm. for physical purposes. Like prostate cancer to to slow that or to increase the doubling time. Yeah. From 15 months to 54 months is essentially giving you an extra couple of years.
1: Yeah, right. Yep. It, it, now, it's it's just one study, though. Yeah, knowing yeah. knowing what I've learned through just the the last podcast that we've done, I'm starting to build um, in my mind like a the ideal smoothie, right? So, oh man, I was doing that this morning. <laughs> <laughs> pomegranate juice throwing a bit yep. of parsley a bit of beetroot like yep. it's just you can start building like a really you know we talk about superfoods but it's yeah. beyond super it's like an uber smoothie absolutely
0: yeah. absolutely
1: and when i was looking up
0: the uh, like highest doses of antioxidants and we yeah. we've done this before uh cacao yeah i think is one of the second highest Ugh, like crazy. densities of antioxidants yeah. Yeah. so Getting cacao nibs and putting that into your smoothies as well—it's quite common, but it's yep. got massive antioxidant uh, capabilities. And we're going to be talking about cacao in a future episode, um, which is going to be really interesting. But mm. yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's some clinical research that's actually shown that pomegranates uh, can help prevent heart disease, heart attacks, strokes, and it's because. They have this potential to thin your blood. Okay. Naturally. Yep. Um, so when your blood thins, it increases blood fro- blood flow to the heart. It reduces broad, blood 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 pressure. Oh, Bloody
1: hell! Yeah. Man.
0: <laughs> uh, can reduce plaque in the arteries. Can reduce bad cholesterol while increasing good cholesterol. Um there was a study that was done with people with hypertension. Um, and they had a significant reduction of uh blood pressure after consuming just 150 mils of pomegranate juice per day for two weeks.
1: Two weeks, geez. And you, you plays in the parsley from last week that had, you know, lower blood pressure as well. So like, Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Mm. Um you know, there's been some other studies that have uh, found similar effects for it as well um, that actually reduces the uh, systolic blood pressure. So mm-hmm. that's the higher number in the blood pressure reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk a little bit about heart disease. Uh, so the the punicic acid, which is the fatty acid in the pomegranate, which is the CLA that we spoke about earlier, Um, can protect against a couple of steps in the heart disease process. Um, There was a four-week study uh, in 51 people with high triglyceride levels showed that 800 milligrams of pomegranate seed oil per day significantly lowered triglyceride and improved the triglyceride-HDL ratio.
1: Okay. So for those who
0: don't know, HDL is the good cholesterol Mm. uh, and LDL is the bad cholesterol. Um, There was also another study that looked at uh, the effects of pomegranate juice with people with type 2 diabetes and high cholesterol and it uh, was noted that it significantly reduced the bad LDL cholesterol. In in the people in that study, yeah. um, let's talk about memory, man. This is oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's so many different things that pomegranates actually, and the majority of what all of these studies have looked at is the pomegranate juice.
1: Mm,
0: yeah. So it seems like pomegranate juice is what everyone kind of goes for.
1: Yeah. Maybe because it it feels too difficult to get the seeds out of a pomegranate.
0: Yeah. Plus, you need to get a fair bit. Yeah. I, I would imagine. I'm not sure how many pomegranates you need to juice to get a cup. Yeah. Of juice. I don't know. Yeah. So, and pomegranates are not typically uh, cheap. No. To yeah. buy, so if you were to want to juice pomegranates, that mm. could be a, a very expensive yep. ordeal. Yeah. Yeah. So, memory. There is a, a little bit of evidence that kind of suggests that it can help improve memory. So there was a study where uh, patients after surgery were given two grams of a pomegranate extract and it prevented some deficits in memory after surgery. surgery. Uh, there was another study where 28 older adults that had memory issues were given a Again, 237 ml of pomegranate juice per day, so a cup of pomegranate juice per day, and it significantly improved markers of verbal and visual memory. Wow. Yeah. Uh, There's also been some studies in mice that has suggested that it can aid in uh, Alzheimer's prevention. That's cool. Yep. So, I mean, that's another uh, big part of it. Uh, let's talk about osteoarthritis.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, you spoke a little bit about uh, ath- ath- atherosclerosis. Ath- atherosclerosis, yeah. Oh, God damn it! Build up oh, in the nice. arteries. Yeah, yeah. So, pomegranate juice contains an enzyme inhibitor that prevents enzymes from damaging cartilage in the body. Uh, benefits of that is you know, to prevent onset of uh, early osteoarthritis. So uh, Pomegranate minimizes the uh, um, the illness triggered in various forms. So there's athlero- atherosclerosis.
1: Atherosclerosis.
0: Yeah. No. <laughs> i tell you what, I would be the worst doctor trying mm. to tell someone what they had. Oh, sorry, so you've got uh, athoslulul. <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> doctor, can you spell that for me? I don't know what you're talking about. Um, so this is basically triggered by thickening and solidifying of arterial walls and in cartilage and joints um, that can actually be you know, offset by consuming pomegranate. So it's actually the pomegranate is capable of preventing the creation of minerals that are liable for breaking down those connective tissues.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah, it that's amazing. That kind of plays into what I talked about with parsley last week with yeah. that pre- preventing the mineralization. Yep. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So uh,
0: already in my head I'm going like a pomegranate with parsley yeah. drink be like the perfect
1: Yeah, but I'm starting to build different ones. You've got like <laughs> you've got your one for like antioxidant relief, and then you could have like pomegranate and sage and um, parsley for memory. Yes. And like you just start building all these different combos and yeah, it's cool. Yeah.
0: It's really cool. So there's been some recent research in terms of new therapies for preventing cancer. Um, and they've actually identified components in pomegranate juice that inhibit the movement of cancer cells. So researchers at the University of California uh, have found that these components also weaken cancer cells' attraction to a chemical signal that promotes the metastasis of prostate cancer to the bone. Mm. So, again, that goes back to the prostate PSA levels. Yep. So, they're saying that they, the research could lead to new therapies for preventing cancer metastasis. Um, there's a person named Manuela Martins Green. Who applied pomegranate juice on uh, laboratory cultured -cultured prostate cancer cells that were resistant to testosterone? The researchers found that the pomegranate juice treated tumor cells that had not died with the treatment. and, And with the treatment, it showed increased cell adhesion and a decreased cell migration.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: That's cool. Yeah, so it's crazy. multiple yeah. benefits of this berry, mm-hmm. particularly from everything that I've read, it's particularly the juice that people use yeah. now. Although shelf-bought um, shelf-bought pomegranate juice may be lacking in vitamin C, it's not. It's not stated whether or not these studies were conducted with commercial pomegranate juice or whether they were juiced
1: i wonder if it's possible you probably can find non-pasteurized pomegranate juice like i'm sure been, you can yeah. find it yeah. it won't be you
0: probably won't find it at supermarkets so. yeah 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 so that's the only issue that i can see there mm-hmm. but in saying yeah. that there are so many other benefits to pomegranate juice that is not necessarily reliant on the vitamin C levels mm. you know most of the stuff that we talk about is in regards to the punic uh, acid and mm-hmm. also the uh, punicalagins yeah. that are found in it which is both of the antioxidants um, the antioxidants that you can actually find within the pomegranate so you know, you may be taking a hit and not getting enough vitamin C from it because it's pasteurized juice, but there are a multitude of other benefits to yeah. actually taking it.
1: Yeah, definitely. Mm. So, that is
0: the nutrition and medicinal uses for pomegranates.
1: Man, that, that is that is amazing. Like, mm. it's another one of those plants where we've got. Incredibly in depth and involved history, and then just as amazing, you know, nutrition and medical. It's absolutely incredible.
0: And I, I mean, I cut that down. Yeah, I can imagine you did. There yeah. are a multitude of other things, although not, um, there are a lot of things that they treat like that have been used to treat other conditions that there just hasn't been enough peer-reviewed and medical yep. studies on. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to talk too much about the ones that didn't have a lot of research behind it that were like it's really good and could do this because it has vitamin K. Yeah, yeah. But we know how much benefit vitamin K is and this has got 30% of your daily intake in a cup of, you know, arrows Yeah. So – Naturally, it would kind of lead to you thinking that it has the benefits that we've talked about with other things in terms of vitamin K.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of uh, the idea behind these um, little bite sized chunks where, you know, we're going to go into a bit more detail about something where we can say each week that a plant has X percentage of your daily intake of K or C or whatever, and people can start to understand. What that's what effect that will have anyway without us having to talk about the same research all the time. I go, oh, vitamin K, yeah, blood clotting, bone health, you know, all that sort of stuff, and they can really start to understand those things without us repeating them all the time. Absolutely, that's really good. That's it, man. We're gonna awesome. Should we get into some cooking and eating? Yes.
0: Before we start with the cooking and eating section, mm. I just need to say, I hate eating pomegranate. Really? Yes. Why? Because of all the little seeds.
1: Uh, I I don't mind them. Oh, see, I mean, I hate I seeds. You're beyond bored with me here because I, I, you have a yeah, hate of seeds as well. I do, but I feel like the pomegranate seeds are just a little bit different. Yeah. Well, it's
0: through the research of nutrition. And with your research in history, it's pushed me around to say I'm willing to give it another crack.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so when was the last time you ate
0: pomegranate seeds? Oh, no. Nah. Really? I can't even remember. Uh, okay. And when they're on salads, I avoid the salad.
1: Oh, no. I hate we, it. <laughs> we, make this, we make this delicious kale salad with pomegranate mm, seeds. Okay. And on the, on the salad, it's got a pomegranate molasses. Yes, yeah, so I've used we've got a whole thing of pomegranate oh my in the cupboard, which so I love. Good. Yeah. Yep.
0: I love the taste. Yep. I don't like the seeds. Mm. That mm. is my issue. So pomegranate juice I love. Yep. yep. And if I could drink pomegranate juice all the time, which I feel like I want to now, mm. I would do that. Yep. But the seeds, oh, my God.
1: <laughs> when was the last time you cut a pomegranate open, like, to get the seeds out?
0: Yeah, I've done that fairly, not recently, but I, I mean, I've
1: done it before. There's yeah, an art okay. to it. There is, yep, yeah, there yeah. is an art. Are you going gonna to uh, tell me how you do it? It's, I, I can give you a quick rundown. It's quite, it's quite hard without having a visual representation, but I thought yes. I'd run through it just, just quickly and then talk about um a, a quick way to get the seeds out because yeah. it can be it can be um, difficult and messy. Yes, know, to get the and seeds it also out. could put you off eating it completely. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, just quickly, I'll go through it right now. Right. So, the pomegranate, it's kind of got a top and a bottom, but um, it's really about identifying which end to cut off. But there's one end where the blossom comes out of, and yeah. it's pretty easily recognisable. You want to grab the other end. And, you know, just down from the top, you cut all the way around it, just through the rind, not mm-hmm. all the way into the center, cut the mm-hmm. rind and then twist it off, okay? And you kind of okay. open and you expose the seeds at the top, right? When, when you look closely at a pomegranate, you'll see that it's not 100% round. It's kind of got these flat edges and then ridges that go mm-hmm. around, almost mm-hmm. like a hexagon or something. Mm-hmm. And those ridges are where the, that fibrous kind of material inside that holds the seeds together. It's kind of where it comes together. Yep. And what you do is you take a knife and you score down those ridges all the way around the pomegranate. Mm -hmm. Don't go too deep, just through the rind. You got and then don't go all the way down to the blossom. You want to leave leave a bit of room there. Once you've gone all the way around, you can actually peel it open like a flower, like petals. So you've got you probably have about five that you Mm -hmm. peel open and the seeds will be contained in each each of these petals, I guess. Then what you can do is actually get a really large bowl turn the pomegranate over and you just get a like a wooden spoon and you bang the bang the rind and the seeds will just fall out and you'll Mm -hmm. get like 95 96 percent of the seeds into the bowl right but then what you've got is in the bowl you'll get some of that kind of white fibrous material (laughs) i can't remember what it's called it's got a proper name i can't remember what it's called you'll get that white fibrous material in the bowl all you have to do is put some water in the bowl And the seeds will sink and all that fibrous material will float. You just skim it off the top and then drain the seeds. Oh, I didn't know that you could do that. That's so cool. Yeah. So you just yeah, a bit of water, all that white material will float to the top, skim it off, and you've got your seeds. You're done. Wow, that's cool. So I do it a little bit
0: different to that Mm -hmm. because I'm lazy. Yep. I basically cut it in half. Oh, yeah. And then hold it in my hand. Yeah and get a wooden spoon and smack the back of it, Uh, and it will empty a good portion of it out. It may not get all of it, but it'll get a good number of it out.
1: Yeah, I've I've used that method heaps of times. The one I just described, I've used that um, because Chris and I were going through a lot of pomegranates at one stage, and so I Googled how to make my life easier. (laughs) um, And, yeah, I've used that method. For years now, and it, yeah, it's okay. it works works really well. Yeah, nice, nice. Super easy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because it can be daunting when you get a pomegranate to actually…
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. But um, if we go back to um, how, what we were talking about earlier where uh, it's used in grenadine, right? So you've it's... got this whole kind of range of cocktails and cocktail mixing that you can use it for. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the Middle East, it's actually used as a syrup, as well so part of that grenadine but um one thing that really stood out to me was the wild pomegranate seed because they still exist right they're actually used as a spice in indian and pakistani cuisine so they they grind it up and um and and use it to flavor curries and chutneys and that sort of thing as well so um really really interesting there it's also used in turkey in salads. They they ferment it and turn it into a high-quality wine as well. Yes. Uh, and we talked about um, the grenadine and liqueur and everything, but it's, it it's also used in a popular kind of Greek sweet foods and that sort of thing as well. Yes. So, you know, you can use that liqueur in the sweets and – and um, nice. the, the Greeks use it in as a glaze and relish and dips and that sort of thing as well. And, you know, we were just talking about how good it would be in a smoothie, too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: I actually found a little bit because I
0: accidentally started researching cooking instead of growing a yeah. cake, but I found that they use it in Turkish delight. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, yeah. pomegranate, the pomegranate uh, molasses is used in oh, yeah. Turkish delight. And There's a Turkish tabbouleh type dish that they Mm. use
1: pomegranate in as well. Imagine that, tabbouleh with all the parsley and then some pomegranate Mm. seeds and imagine how healthy that would be for you. (laughs) Man, so good. Yeah.
0: So, so good for you.
1: Uh, I have,
0: I mean, pomegranates are used a lot in sweet dishes, Mm. which we just mentioned, but they make a perfect addition to salads and yep. to even heartier dishes where there's a lot of, a lot of strong flavors. Yep. The pomegranates can actually cut through that yeah. the fats really yep. easily with like real bursts of, of sweetness. Yep. Yeah. So I think they definitely have a place. And, and as I said, we use pomegranate molasses for mm. lots of different dishes. Yep.
1: Yep. I actually, um, I found this recipe that uh, really interests me when I was uh, looking for this, the cooking section, and it's called a cauliflower a chat, which is oh, a yes. like a chat is like an Indian snack, you know, yes. like a side dish. Yeah. Yes. So you've got your cauliflower cut into florets or large chunks and everything, mm-hmm. and, you, and I'm not going to go through how to do it but just the ingredients, right? So you've got um, some Kashmiri chili powder that goes onto the the cauliflower and then there's this marinade that goes with it where you've got, um, again, the Kashmiri chili powder, uh, some ginger and garlic that's pasted together. You've got uh, paprika, turmeric, garam masala, and you kind of cook it up and then you serve it with, fresh pomegranate seeds. So you've got kind of like this fried cauliflower with paprika and turmeric and garlic and ginger and chili and and I pomegranate do. seeds. Like That sounds amazing. Such a such an awesome combo.
0: Yeah. I I think that cauliflower, like roasted cauliflower with spices and mm-hmm. pomegranate is a perfect match. I've seen it in other types of cooking, even doing whole roasted cauliflower. Yeah. Uh, and then adding the seeds at the end as a garnish almost. Yep. I mean, there's nothing stopping you from cutting up a bunch of parsley and mixing it together with, I mean, as we said, a tabbouleh mm. with pomegranate in it and having that over the top of a roasted cauliflower would oh, be goodness. exceptional.
1: Yep. yep and me. that's a that's a headline dish for your table. Oh, for sure. Yep. You know? I found this other one that was really interesting and it was like burnt sprouts, so Brussels sprouts, burnt sprouts with a pomegranate and sesame. Oh, yes. Yeah, it looked amazing, right? It did. That's so good. Yeah. Oh, and this we is also making me think of lots of different things to do with pomegranate now. I know, right? And Chris and I always made the kale salad, you know, kale and toasted pine nuts and um fresh pomegranate seeds plus the pomegranate molasses as like mm. a, you know, like a vinaigrette type thing and uh, mm. just that, the salad is just delicious. I love that salad. It's amazing. Wow. Yeah. Oh but God, uh, awesome. I wanted to talk about like food pairings with pomegranate, oh, yeah. right? So yeah, yeah. Um, we've got uh, things like other berries, so blueberries, raspberries, strawberries, uh, and then other fruits as well, apples, uh, citrus, coconut, and then uh, some some other Produce type ones: cucumber, ginger, kale, mango, pear, pineapple, spinach, Swiss chard, squash. Uh, on the sweet, sweet, and herbs and spices side, goes well with cinnamon, chocolate. So you, we're talking about cacao. You know, you could pair pomegranate and cacao, clove, honey, maple syrup, mint, onion. Uh, you got vanilla, and then on the savoury side, you've got almonds, chickpeas. Quinoa, rice, and walnuts as well. So oh my huge amount of pairing going on there. That's yeah.
0: awesome. That's so yeah. good. I just, as you were talking through that, my mind is racing with different yep. things to to pair it
1: up with. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I'm thinking like kale and mango and and. Wow, well, mango and pomegranate sounds fantastic. And, well, yeah, mango and pomegranate and a kale salad with the pomegranate molasses would be delicious. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have seen pomegranate with
0: spinach salads a lot. And
1: yeah, okay. I think um,
0: yeah. there's actually a, a salad by Ottolenghi that's called an Alphonse salad, mm-hmm. which is spinach and mango. And they actually he uses a curried uh, element to this. It's like a curry flavor through this salad yeah. with spinach and mango. But I think pomegranates they definitely have a place in that salad mm. as well.
1: Yep. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty amazing.
0: Yeah. That's so cool.
1: Yeah. But mate, uh that's that's the cooking of yeah. pomegranate. I love it.
0: Pomegranate tree. <laughs> have you seen a pomegranate tree?
1: I have, yes. Yeah.
0: They can be quite ornamental. Yes definitely like you can shave it basically up the trunk and just have like a beautiful little shrub on the top of it that mm. grows pomegranates and looks incredibly decorative yep so it's very very cool but basically what you want to do with pomegranate trees is put it in a sunny spot uh, as long as it's protected from frosts you'll pretty much have no trouble with it at all yep Yeah. um it's really important to water it. So you want to prevent it from drying out, uh, over the non, not so wet months. Mm-hmm. It'll improve growth and you'll see better fruit from it as well. You don't want to put it into, um, you don't want to put it into heavy clay soils. Yeah. So, um, you probably want it to be a bit more aerated than that. Um, It's very similar to your plums where you have to prune it.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. So
0: best time to do that is over winter. And essentially what you want to do is clear the middle of the tree out so it's not overcrowded. Same. Yep. Yeah. So essentially exactly the same uh, as the ones that you're talking about. So when we talk about pomegranates, they typically grow from about three and a half meters up to six meters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and nearly the same in spread, so width. Yeah, okay, yeah. Although you will need a little bit of patience with pomegranates. So it takes about five to seven months for fruit to become mature on the tree.
1: Oh, okay. So
0: it'll start start budding the fruit, but then it takes about five to seven months for it actually to mature. Uh, And it takes about two or three years before it bears more than... One or two fruits.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: So you need a little bit of patience with it, but you know, following that, you'll get what you want from it. Uh, typically, when you pull the fruits from the tree, you'll be able to store them for a couple of months in a dark, cool place or in the fridge.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I did want to talk about pollination, though. So in terms of companion planting for pomegranate trees, so pomegranates actually need bees for pollination. Mm -hmm. So what you really want to do, and if you don't get this pollination, it won't have any fruit. So you want to plant some herbs around your pomegranate tree or nearby at least, including dill or uh, parsley and mint uh, basil, thyme, and uh, coriander. They'll all attract uh, bees to yep. to the area. Uh, there's also a number of different types of pomegranate, which I was going to run through. So yep. although there's your wild and your domesticated, there are a couple of different types of domesticated yep. uh, ones. So there's the wonderful mm-hmm. pomegranate. Yes, it is. Which I, I think a lot of people know this one. It's the most popular pomegranate in the world. Yeah. Uh It's a deep red fruit. Um, the seeds are juicy, sweet, and fragrant. Again, perfect for what we were talking about in terms of uh, putting them into salads. There's also a Golosha Azerbaijani. Mm. Uh, it's a bit... Of an ugly fruit, um, but the flavor of the seeds is something very different. Uh, it produces medium to large sized elongated fruit with a pink, uh pinkish nature to it, and the seeds are deep red, large, and very juicy. Mm. There's also a Golosha Rosavaya. Uh, this is one's from Russia. And this type of pomegranate is light pink and has large-sized fruit, um, which has sweet and slightly acidic seeds. Oh, yeah, okay. Which is kind of cool. Yep. And in Spain, they have one called the Elche. Um, Again, it's a pink fruit, lots of juice in the seeds. It's not very uh, tolerant of the cold, though. So it needs to be in a warmer spot if you've got that particular one. Um, And the last one is a new variety, and this is an Australian one. Cool. Called the Ben Hur. (laughs) Yeah. Now, the fruit grows up to 1.2 kilos. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, And they said that these uh, Australian bred pomegranates resemble cricket balls. Mm. Uh, but they're, they're a newer variety that's a bit heavier than than what the other ones are. Yeah. So in terms of storage, as we said, you want it out of the sunlight. Um, the whole fruit can be refrigerated and kept as long as two months. Uh, fresh seeds or juice will keep really well in the refrigerator for up to five days. Mm-hmm. So again, this is why they pasteurize the juice is because it only keeps for about five, day, five days fresh in the yep. refrigerator. Uh, but you can also freeze the pomegranate arils um, oh, already yeah. used as well. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of growing, key takeouts is get yourself a tree because mm. otherwise it's just going to be a really long process for you. Mm-hmm. And you want it to be in a warm spot with plenty of water. And it should not give you any trouble after that. Cool. Yeah. Now warm. Yeah. That's warm. And that is the growing and storing for pomegranates.
1: Very good. Very Mm. good. I'm sitting here contemplating how hard it would be for me to grow one. (laughs) Well, you can grow them in pots. Yeah. Uh, And they
0: actually, I mean, we talked about them being bonsai, Mm. but you can grow a small pomegranate tree in a pot in a warm spot, and it will bear fruit. Now, I saw some pictures of some pomegranate yep. trees that were only about, I don't know, I'd say a metre high inside a pot with like five yep. or six pieces of fruit on it. Yeah, nice. So, and they look, they just look yeah. really pretty. They do, yeah. 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 So, yeah, I'm in the same uh, same uh, place that you are. Yep. I want to have one. mm. And I think because we were talking about having uh, citrus at work, mm. I'd love to have a pomegranate tree yep. as part of a um, vegetable and fruit garden. Mm. So I might look into that.
1: Yep. Yeah, you could just put it in a pot there, and
0: yeah, yep. I have zero idea of how much it would cost to buy a pomegranate tree, but you know, mm. it's not something outside of the ordinary. No, is it? I wouldn't have thought so. No. Actually, there's a nursery that I go to, which I have spoken about with you as well, Diaco's, yep. Yep. which is just near our work, and they are selling pomegranate trees for $45. bucks. That is
1: awesome. Yeah. And which I just awesome. Googled it, how to grow pomegranates <laughs> <laughs> on YouTube. Mate, I just told you that. No, no, I was, I was looking for where to buy a tree, and then it just came oh, up. Oh, yeah. With, yeah. Yeah, you
0: can get different pot sizes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, yeah, 33-centimeter pot size, 45 bucks. Yeah, nice. That's amazing. Awesome. Oh, that I'm is cool. going to do that. Yeah, there you go. Very good, mate. They just look fantastic. They look just look so pretty on a tree. I just want one.
1: Yep. Oh, man. Yep. Anyway, well, there you go. That was really fascinating. Yeah, I really enjoyed who, that. Who knew that this – Berry had such, such worth. I know historical I know. worth and nutritional worth. Yeah, you
0: know? I mean purely based on the history, I wanted to incorporate it more into my diet. Mm. Just mm. because it's just it's such a historic uh, fruit or berry, whatever you want to call it. But I don't know. It just it just seems like a nice thing to do. You're part of the history now, because yep. you're eating it, you're incorporating it into your diet. You're part of that. Yeah, it's just it's a really nice thing.
1: Mm.
0: But there's so many nutritional benefits of the juice as well. It's just absolutely crazy. Yeah, I feel like everyone should be drinking a glass of pomegranate juice a day.
1: Yeah, because yep. it's
0: just got so many health benefits. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. It's really good. Mm. Well, as always, there will be uh, a. An article about the pomegranate that we'll have on Messy Veggies, which you can head to, and it'll, we'll write down all the recipes that we've kind of spoken about today, and I'll put links to it there as well. There is, now for those who were listening to past episodes of Sage, and I said that I was going to put a recipe up on. Hmm. on there about sage it is happening i've already done it i'm just writing it at the moment took some photos of the uh yeah of the dish which i showed tim yes and looked there's amazing there's a mate. carrot yes. <laughs> thank you there's a carrot cake which i have done as well i've already written the recipe i've just got to upload it um which is a carrot cake with an orange buttercream on the top and it's vegan and gluten free as well. So that's uh, fun. And I took that down to the warehouse when we were building the vegetable garden and it went like before I even got received back. well. Oh, man. They yeah. loved it. They thought it was fantastic. And like we got there down in the morning to start doing this thing and they had done it before we even got started on it. So <laughs> they were eating cake for breakfast. Oh. Uh, was nice. Nice. Mm. So, again, there'll be plenty of uh, recipes and things up. You'll see lots of things on the Instagram account about all the different things that we spoke about. Uh, I just want to take this moment just to say thank you for everyone who's listening again. Mm. And I hope you made it through this two-hour podcast. (laughs) Holy jeepers. Yeah, it's a long one. Yeah. But a really fascinating one. And I know a lot of people do these in uh segments yeah so thank you for persevering yeah i I know that everyone's learning a lot and all of the feedback that we're getting is really positive yeah which is wonderful and it's getting better at each episode and we're covering off lots of different things and you know it's just it's really nice for us to have people along for the journey for us to grow with you as you expand your knowledge we expand our knowledge
1: yeah. yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a, good, a good journey. I'm really learning heaps. So I hope other people are, are learning as much as I am. Yep. Well, they
0: are. You're teaching them, mate.
1: Yeah, but I hope they're taking it in and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And watch
0: out for those mini episodes that are coming up. Yeah. They will be happening very shortly. I mm-hmm. believe the first one will be on the polyphenols, which is the antioxidants that we spoke about in this episode. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. So thank you again, everyone. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Uh, Until next time, do yourself a favor and eat some more plants like me.